Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. Welcome in, everybody, to the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Always glad that you are with me on the Monday after the Super Bowl, which should be, it's not, but it should be a federal holiday. Either way, I'm uh, struggling through it. I hope you guys are having a better day than me. Sickness has gone through the house, and it's still going through the house. And I didn't even have a Super Bowl party, but I'm still struggling from staying up late watching the Super Bowl. So I hope your week has gotten off to a better start than mine. But last night, uh, speaking of an Ole Miss thing on an Ole Miss-related podcast and the Super Bowl, A.J. Brown caught a sick touchdown pass last night. Although... um, One of the many takeaways from this game, I haven't seen this talked about much, but Philly really underutilized him in that game. I mean, especially the the underneath stuff. Uh, He was killing Kansas City, and they just they didn't use it enough, but still had that really long touchdown catch. And um, leading up to the game, had a lot of very good things to say about his alma mater. That was uh, that was cool to see a guy like him that is a really positive story. For, uh, for your school and your program, considering that he could have and I would have advised him to transfer considering the circumstances and the NCAA punishments and stuff. But um, nobody listens to me, and it's probably for the best. He stuck around and is a legend forever at his alma mater. Uh, I'll never forget the Wolf of Wall Street video that he put on Twitter when the sanctions came down, and uh, he said he wasn't leaving and, and all that. That was really cool. And... Um, to see him shine like that on that stage was uh, not surprising considering how special he was in college, but they should have used him more. I, I can't believe Philly did not make him a focal point, especially when they needed uh, in the second half, they, they needed chunk plays and explosive plays to try to win that game. And they um, just didn't use him as much as they should, but either way, that was a really cool thing to see last night. AJ Brown with a touchdown catch in the Super Bowl. Again, not surprising. I mean, just a special, uh, special, uh, special player. So, anyway, this uh, this is going to be a fun week. Baseball's here, as you guys know. You've been waiting for it. Basketball's been an absolute disaster of a bridge between football and baseball. Baseball's here. You're reigning national champions. Get underway Friday afternoon. Really looking forward uh, to this season and covering that with you guys. Um, we got a lot coming. We got a lot coming on this feed and on the radio show and stuff that I'm excited about. So I, I last week was a little light in anticipation of this one. So you are going to hear uh, an exclusive interview with uh, Mike Bianco. Uh, you're going to hear one with Mike Clement, Carl Lafferty, uh, David Kellum, Brad Henderson, the guys on the radio broadcast who are just excellent. Uh, big fan of both of those guys. Um, there's a chance working on trying to, to hear from Tim Elko uh, as well as David DeLucci. So all that stuff is going to be uploaded on this feed uh, for you this week. I think Bianca will be able to get to you Wednesday, and then the rest will be Thursday night, Friday morning. Uh, but yeah, so those are all going to be separate individual episodes. This is going to be a busy, busy week on this podcast. This is essentially me like teeing the, the week up for you. So all the baseball preview you could possibly fathom is coming your way at the end of this week with all of those interviews I'll put right here on this feed for you. Again, Bianco, Clement, Lafferty, uh, Kellum, 
Henderson, DeLucci, hopefully Elko working on that. We'll see how far we can get on that. But yeah, a lot of baseball preview coming your way this week. On that note, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. First, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website. If you or your business are in the market for office technology, so anything from copiers and printers and mail machines, cloud storage, data security, phone systems, uh, whatever the case may be, if it's tech, if it's in the office and you or your business are located in the state of Mississippi, Advantage Business Systems has you covered. Again, ABSMS.com is the website, absms.com. Tell them I sent you. You'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. So you tell them what you need and what your budget is, and they will find a solution for you on me. Again, that is Advantage Business Systems. Podcast is also brought to you by Priority One Bank. There's 16 locations across the state of Mississippi. They're conveniently located to serve you. You can manage all of your Priority One Bank accounts from anywhere you have internet access. So online banking, bill pay service, um, transferring funds, scheduling payments, alerts, things like that can all be done in one location with Priority One Bank, one spot. Again, as long as you have internet access and their online banking, that, that's all you need. I mean, I can't tell you before I switched to Priority One Bank, the number of different apps that I had to use to transfer money. One was uh, hell, I forget what it was called, but I had to download an, an app to send money to somebody and it, it, it's all a mess. Money management, all that stuff is a mess, not with Priority One Bank. Again, 16 locations across the state. Uh, they will make your life easier. They also have loan servicing and all of that good stuff. Again, Priority One Bank helps you make your life easier by providing local service and local decision-making Local branches, again, 16 across the state. Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. So a couple of things. Uh, again, this is just kind of like a primer before we get to the real baseball preview stuff coming later this week. Um, I want to talk about one baseball thing, two baseball things actually come up here in a second. But the basketball team lost this weekend to South Carolina. It's a bad loss. South Carolina's a bad team, horrible team, absolutely terrible basketball team is South Carolina. They're they're just awful and managed to beat Ole Miss anyway at home in a very, very empty pavilion. Um, I mean, everybody involved knows the score, but I, I, Kermit Davis was asked for the first time uh, about job security, and it, it was a, a very uh, – I, I don't want to – insult somebody by calling it a softball question because you don't want to get aggressive uh, asking questions. You got to ask it. You ask it knowing that you're not going to get a good answer, but you still have to ask it and you don't want to insult the guy. So it's a, it's a tough bridge, but somebody finally asked Kermit Davis about it. And, and I got uh, one text message in, in particular that was not real thrilled about Kermit's answer, where basically he said he's confident that he can turn it around and they just have to, you know, figure out scoring and stuff like that. A very coach speak answer. And and I guess a couple of people were not real thrilled uh, about his answer, saying that you know he can turn it around and all that stuff. And uh, my response was to my very upset friend about you know how dare he was. What do you want him to say? You know he's still employed. It sounds like he still wants to coach basketball. And so you you don't just kind of step away or walk away. Um, 
you don't quit if you're not done yet. Um, he can't sit up there and say things like, yeah, look, I evaluated terribly in the portal. I didn't portal recruit well at all. Uh, I didn't get shooters even when I needed shooters. My offensive philosophy is not working. Uh, I had some bad evaluations. My most explosive player got hurt and then left the team. And I know I'm getting fired, and Keith knows I'm getting fired. And yes, this team sucks, and the fans don't support it because the product's bad. And I'm just counting the minutes before I can get out of here, and they can start their coaching search. I mean, like, what what do you want him to say in that moment? Of course he's going to say he's confident in his ability because he's kind of trying to sell himself uh, to, to possibly his next employer and, you know, he, he's not given up on his players. Obviously, it's not working at Ole Miss. He, he didn't build a roster good enough. I, I think style is also not good enough. And there's nothing that's going to change between now and the end of the season. But he's, you know, I mean, the, the players still play pretty hard. They're just not very good as a team. They're not particularly well coached. They, they don't have enough talent. They don't have enough scores. And there's nothing that can be done about it. So if he was going to be honest in a press conference like that, he would have insulted a bunch of kids that are still playing hard for him. Instead, he gave a very coach speaky, you know, I believe that I can turn this around, blah, blah, blah. That's the only thing he can say in that moment because the truth isn't necessary. Everybody involved knows the deal. I've been telling you guys for weeks it's going to happen. He's he's getting fired at the end of the season. Keith Carter's already looking at other at candidates to replace him. He has been probably for some time now, but I know it's definitely happening now. It just it's just got to ride this wave of misery until the season's over. So it, it, it was unfortunate. It really was unfortunate um, because I, I tend to like. You know, things I've heard about Kermit Davis, I like. It seems like like in the community and stuff, he he represents Ole Miss well and got has the alumni relations thing down pretty good. It's just it's not working, and the, you you just have to wait a little bit longer before you can start being excited about your basketball program again. At least baseball starts this weekend. You know, I mean, you have that, but there was nothing else he could have said. Everybody involved knows what the outcome is. You know what the outcome is as well. I've argued that they should have pulled the plug. In fact, I said that they shouldn't have given this season. Kind of felt like this was a wasted season. If you were looking at this team objectively, you knew that it wasn't going to make the tournament. They weren't good enough. They didn't portal well enough. They didn't recruit well enough. Nothing changed uh, from what I said on the radio back in March. But still, nothing can be done now. Everybody knows the score. The coaching search has begun. Everybody knows it. There's just nothing you can say until it until it actually happens. So I don't I don't really blame Kermit for talking about himself, uh, you know, being able to turn around the program because it sounds like he still wants to continue coaching. If you were going to write me a six million dollar or four million dollar check, uh, I would stop working personally. But, you know, that's uh, that's that's not him. So. Either way, don't forget, by the way, to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Michael Borky. Forgot to tell you that earlier. B-O-R-K-E-Y, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. I'll be doing Sunday lives uh, during the baseball season, and I hope you'll join me on there. So check uh, check that out. Two baseball things. Number one, it looks like they have figured out the uh, the batter's eye problem, by the way. They're doing the, the, the band field renovation. The band is getting a much-needed facility because they didn't even really have one it was just a 
garbage field with an old wooden stand, and that's it. They're getting a true turf practice facility, and that construction caused them, as most of you guys probably know already, uh, them to tear some trees down as they expand the field and build the fence in the field and all that stuff. Um, but that exposed the houses on the other side of the band practice field from the baseball field, and those are white houses, and you could see them from the field, and they had to figure out what they were going to do with the batter's eye. They're just expanding it. They're, they're just building it higher up. It's going to be going to be a tall batter's eye, a much taller batter's eye than you're used to, but that's what they decided to do is just make that thing taller, and that, that's it. So visually, th those trees beyond the outfield wall – were, were really nice looking big trees and those are gone and that sucks, but they're going to be building the outfield structures starting possibly after this season. Apparently that's the word is they're going to start building the outfield structures after the season and moving the outfield uh, seating areas up to the wall and, and dressing all that up uh, possibly starting again after this season, maybe. So if that is the case, then those trees were going to be out of sight anyway. So, yeah, those are gone. They just expanded the batter's eye. Uh, so there's that. Also, the student setup thing was awesome. And the the best traditions are, are the ones that happen organically. When I was in school, I just I, I took care of the chairs for our group. I had like 20 chairs in the back of my car that I would go out and set up Thursday morning sometime. And then Sunday at Sometimes leave them out, sometimes pick them up and put them out there again, and that's all I had to do, and I always had my same spot every single game for the entire season, always. I mean, it just it was that easy. They changed it up, as you guys know. They, they're, they're doing the chair setup thing where they let the students in a week before first pitch, and they set up, and kind of those are their spots for the year. Well, that became like a tent city, and then they moved them into the stadium on the left field terrace, and they just partied their you-know-what's off for days out there. It looked, I mean, 19, 20, 21-year-old me would have been so jealous of the party that those guys threw out there. I mean, with tents, and then they had like this wicked thunderstorm come through, and you had a guy with like a scuba suit out there, and they were just drinking and partying like hell in the left field section of the outfield, waiting for the gates to open so they could set their stuff up in right field. Biancoville or whatever is going to be a tradition there for forever. I mean, that that was so funny, and, and it looked like so much fun, and it was so awesome. And uh, little things like that is what makes baseball just so different at a place like Ole Miss compared to 99% of the country. I mean, where else does that, – that, that doesn't happen anywhere else. Week before first pitch, a, a rager being thrown because kids are waiting to go set their stuff up in the student section. I mean, that, does, that doesn't happen anywhere else. The, the scene looked just hilarious and, uh, and amazing. So uh, kudos to the students for putting that together. And uh, the last thing, just another random baseball note, is the, the pitch clock. Shout out to Chase Parham for, uh, for reporting on this. The, the pitch clock is going to be uh, heavily enforced this year, and, and they've altered it some. So... There was a pitch clock last year if there was nobody on, but it was rarely enforced. According to Mike Bianco in his press conference, um, the 22nd clock is going to be in play for every single pitch, regardless if there's runners on base or not. Again, this is reporting from Chase Parm at Revel Grove. Uh, excellent stuff here. There will be no warnings. A, the, a ball will be added to the count every time the clock expires before the pitch 
uh, the pitcher begins his delivery. So every and Mike talked about it in his press conference where uh, where Hunter Elliott was walked a batter because of this in one of their uh, scrimmages. So apparently it's going to be heavily enforced, and that's going to change the speed of games. You've already seen it in the minors. Uh, minor league games are happening faster because of strict enforcing of pitch clocks. And thank God for any of you uh, that have watched Texas A&M play because their style of play is horrendous. And they, they milk games and they take forever and the pace is so slow. They can't do that anymore. Apparently the, the pitch clock is going to be heavily, heavily enforced. 20 seconds, regardless if there's a runner on base or not. Once you get the ball and you're on the mound, you got 20 seconds to throw a pitch. You can throw over to first, second, or third, or you know, if there's a runner on as many times as you want to. That's not going to be a, a prohibition. But yeah, a 20 second pitch clock. That's how it's going to be. Batter's got to be in the box too. Batter's got 10 seconds when he steps out, and that's it. And um, yeah, that'll speed the game up a little bit. I like that. I think baseball could stand to be a little bit faster. I know some purists uh, don't, but I think that this is going to serve college baseball well. The games need to have better flow. They need to move a little bit faster, and this will only help casuals get into it. And, you know, you can't grow a sport unless you have casual people um, engage in it. So uh, good move, especially for those who have to play Texas A&M because, uh, again, that was just just horrible. So um, anyway. I'm looking forward to bringing you those interviews this week. Stay tuned, and um, we'll see you then. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.